The Press Box is here to catch you up on the latest media stories. Hosted by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, these guys have the insight on the biggest stories you care about. Check out The Press Box on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You know what? I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. Hi everyone and welcome to Rise House on Ringer FC. I hope you are all safe and well. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the issues of having to play games in hand. We're going to talk free kicks after James Ward-Prowse's awesome strike on Saturday. We're going to give flowers to Edward Mende. We're going to talk AFCON and some WSL transfer business. And my guests are the lovely Florence Lloyd Hughes and Mr. Carlank. How are you doing, guys? Good. Yeah, I'm good. We're matching today. Well, well I know. Three Karl stripes. Anka, you didn't Loving come. It. Didn't, yeah, I come on, Carl. I didn't know we, we had to be three stripes up. You know what it is? It's Musa. Yeah. It's Musa. Mm. It's really weird when I come on and just like, I'm feeling, what's he going to, what's he going to wear? What I'm going to mm. fucking get him today. <laughs> so me and, me and Flo are on point, but look, can I just say just quickly, I'm watching Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's not happening for me. It's not happening Ooh. for you. So I just need, maybe I want people. You, I presume, did you like the Mandalorian? Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. You know what? I start, I watched a few, a couple of the Boba Fetts and I'm like, I just, I haven't I I watched it yet, but I've heard it's quite good. What? Well, I need yeah. I need somebody to tell me something more because I feel like I've gone in continually just thinking and and, and comparing it to the Mandalorian at every juncture. Mm. So I think I've got to stop doing it. You know what I might do? I'm going to wait, see what feedback I get off of this, and start maybe start again. I don't give know. Give it a little pause. Give it a little pause. I might give get it a little pause. Get a little queue of episodes Can up, and then you know if someone saying? says, "Oh, it gets good at episode six, and uh, yeah. go back to it. I finished Can watching. I, um, yeah. Only Murders in the Building. Oh, Last I saw night. you okay. post about that. I need to watch that. It's got, it's got Steve Martin in a whodunit. It's wonderful. Wow. On Disney Plus, right? Yeah, on Disney Plus. And is he, is he being, is he just, is he just naturally funny? And Because I like watching oh, yeah. comedians in a serious role. Yeah. So it's Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez. They okay. all live in an uh, apartment in New York and someone gets murdered and they go, well, let's try and solve this murder mystery. I want to see while that. While also it. doing a true crime podcast about yes. the murder mystery. Uh, and oh. it is one of the funniest shows I've seen in a long time. Excellent. So I highly recommend. Can I, can I say something that I highly recommend? And I know you might not be, no one might not be Man United fans of this, but I, I went on the Man United tour. Okay. Um, and it's really weird. I went on with a couple of people. And you know when you go on and you go on all like, yeah, okay, let's see, yeah, what am I doing here? <laughs> and then <laughs> it was like, and, they were saying, and then after what you start to actually feel like, you know, then you start talking to the people who are in it and they said, was you playing around this time with them? And then you start to get into the vibe of that particular Man United era, which I played against and were all through my, my career, that unbelievable era. And you, 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 you can't help but the respect that you have to have for them and the jealousy. <laughs> the jealousy was hard to contain. <laughs> but like the respect you have to have for what that club has done made me think to myself, you know something? Hats off, man. Hats off to you, man, you, for what you've achieved. But it's easy to look at them now and think to yourself, yeah, you know, your history was great, but it's not quite great now. But like, maybe I left like that, but I've got to say to people, that was, that was pretty intense. How big, how big was the trophy cabinet? Like, it can you try huge. and recreate it in our I needed minds? dark, you know, you walk into the trophy cabinet room, I needed fucking dark glasses and so much silver. <laughs> yeah, it's like the sun, it was like, you know. <laughs> could I, uh, 
when you're in like a title race mm. or you're in like a Premier League, you're chasing another team. Mm. What's better? What was better for you? Was it better to have games in hand or did you want points on the board? Wanted points. You always okay. want points because I think that um, games in hand is something that people can hold on to and say, yeah, well, if we do this and then mm. if we beat them and it, it, it doesn't work like that. The fact is when you've got the points, you know that the teams that have got the games in hand, you're thinking, well, if they slip up here, then we're, we're you know, we're kind of like, it gives us another bit of breathing space, another bit of breathing space. So I would always want the, the points because you look at City now, City can carry on doing what they're doing. Liverpool have to win every game. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make no difference. They have to win every game. Even if City, even if City lose, Liverpool cannot go into any game now and not win it. So, and, and I, I think like, it's, it's very difficult to say it's over, but like, you know what the Premier League can do when Arsenal, when we chased our Man United that time, you know what I mean? You, you think, well, you know, but you, you carry on doing, you win 10 games on the spin, but I don't think that anyone's going to be able to chase them down. That's not going to happen. They've done it. I think they've done it. I, I, I'm actually going on now. It's over. Bookies are paying out. <laughs> wow. <sighs> That's huge. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if many of our listeners watch League One, but mm. what I would tell you is there is an absolute title race on in League One. There's like yeah. four or five teams in with a chance of winning that division. Wigan have five games in hand. <laughs> <laughs> They're in fourth it's place. Wigan the top, and like the, the, it's, it's ridiculous. Got 52, 51, 50, 48, 46. That's wow. top five. Wow. It is amazing. So keep an eye on the League One title race because if you're bored of the Premier League one, that's the one you want to be watching. It's that, like, there's so many games in hand now. I mean, Burnley are in this weird situation mm. where every yeah. time I look at the league table, I think they're dusted. And then mm-hmm. well, Leicester you know, have had, what, four cancelled in a row? Is yeah. that something ridiculous now? So there's so many games in hand and like surely that gets to a point where you go, not just, I just want points on the board. Yeah. Or you want maybe points. you're going, you're unlimited. No, I think that especially when you get down to that end as well, because the same with when you're going for the titles and stuff like that, where the games in hand are important if you win them. If you're down there and you've got games in hand of t- and you lose them, you know what I mean? It's just like the pressure. I think the pressure is worse, obviously, down there because you're getting relegated if you, if you don't win your game in hands. I hate going into, match- I hate going into matches where you, you know you have to win. You want to go into the game saying, okay, if we draw... We, we can swing next week. But when you go in, when you have to win, which I found a lot at Arsenal, it's totally different to Palace. There's a whole different vibe to the way you approach the game. M- much more nervous, so much more nervous. Thinking about the opportunity you might get and the chance you might get and how you're going to finish it was something I thought about a lot more going into Arsenal games than then I did with Palace. I just went into the games with Palace. Mm-hmm. When the chance came, you've done it. But then you're thinking, I have to score. And this is why when I think about being, never being in a relegation fight, which I'm really quite proud of and pleased about, is I don't know how I would have finished um, going one-on-ones and chances if I knew that relegation was what was going to happen if I didn't score these goals. It's a, different, it's a different pressure scoring goals to win like FA Cup or, or, or win league points to get further up the league. But I, I don't think I could fucking cope with having to score goals, going into games knowing, like if I'm a Newcastle player now or a Burnley or, or, or a Watford, a Norwich player. Mm-hmm. It's like, I watched Norwich the other day and people say, oh, brilliant performance from Norwich. Oh, you know something? We might see something. I don't think we will simply because if they weren't playing Everton and Everton weren't so terrible, Michael Keane getting caught like that with no one around him, not sorting out his legs and scoring their own goal. And then the touch from Ida for Jordan, Jordan Pickford, who's a, who's a top goalkeeper, let's say England goalkeeper, to not see that that first touch was too heavy for him to then be able to get there to flick it over him. Those goals don't happen against teams that are, are, are at it. So they're lucky when you look at stuff like that. And that's the kind of thing I'm thinking to myself. When I watched Eder's goal, I'm thinking, his touch needs to be tighter there. Mm. And that's when I started to think about, I don't know how I'd finish if I was trying to play, <laughs> to stay, to stay off relegation. 
But also, you know, I always think with these cancelled games, now Burnley are going to have so many midweek rearranged games. Mm. There's definitely an athletic piece in here for whoever wants to do the work. But I always feel like <laughs> you're more likely to win on a Saturday when you're part of a main weekend of action than if you're a standalone game midweek. Because I would say mentally... You know, it's part of your routine to play on a Saturday. But when you've got a random midweek mm. game chucked in and you're not part of like a full round of matches, mm. I feel like that's harder to prepare for as a player. It will be. And the thing is, is I mean, when I first started, it, we knew we was playing on a Saturday at that time. And then you looked mm. around, other team, you knew that. But then when you've got to go now and you've got to play this. And the thing is, the game, all the games are so vitally important to everything. But when you play like midweek in the night and there's a, there's something that's missing about having to do it on the Saturday mm -hmm. or you're thinking I have to do it on the Tuesday or the Wednesday whatever it is and it's you can sometimes not click into the same into the same kind of like I don't know headspace exactly exactly of having to do it yeah I don't, games in games in hand don't mean anything I don't think unless you win them absolutely unless you win them the, the pressure is more on um, on, on you knowing you've got them and then you think you, you still got nervous about the fucking game. Mm -hmm. You're so nervous about the game because you know we have to win. I'm so interested in watching Liverpool right now because to, to be in a, to be in a, in a, 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 a run, a, 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 like in a league where you just, you have to win. City is so dominant and they're so far in front. Can you imagine going into every single game without Salah, without Mane and you have to win and Brentford were okay for a bit. Brentford, would, the way Brentford conceded their goals, you think, Jesus, really? You've defended like that and you've trained all week for that to, to let in goals like that? You know, it's, it's going to, I don't know, man. It's, it's going to be interesting watching Liverpool. It's that weird thing because obviously Liverpool have a bunch of players that are away at AFCON and then yes. Chelsea are going to have that little phase where they're away in the Club World Cup. So they're going to mm. have some games in hands as well to, to mm. figure out what they want to do in the top four. Everyone's got that weird thing. Did you ever have that moment where at Arsenal where you finish playing and then you got straight in the dressing room, you're like straight on the radio, like, who's, what's United done? What's the other one done? What's, no, who's no. this one done? That happened literally in the tunnel because remember, you got people, <laughs> you got people on the way off. Mm -hmm. So you come off in the dressing room, like, like you come off the pitch and you go up the tunnel and that, especially Arsenal's tunnel was so small and there was a, a room on the right hand side with a little television in there. And then people will be telling you what's happened. That's why I'd find out that fucking Shearer, I've scored two, Shearer's scored four. <laughs> <laughs> you, you walk up there and say, how did, how did Blackman get, how did Shearer get on? Yeah, he scored four. Fuck, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was that kind of vibe. You know, before you get in the dressing room, Carl, especially, I remember the 98, you just knew. You know, before you even got, people are telling you what's going on. You look on the bench and say, such and such is losing. You know, anything like that, you just hear stuff. You know what I mean? You just, you just hear stuff as, as the, when, when you're coming off. And it kind of like, you can win a game and another team win a game and you're just, oh, fuck, back to square one. So we've got to do it next week. Right. That's the one. That's the one where you think, well, if you've won, you're coming off thinking, oh, brilliant, we've won, we've done our job. Then they, come, yeah, they won as well. That's why I keep going back to Liverpool and thinking, Liverpool will come off and they'll be saying, how did City get, oh, City won. Like, oh, shit, got to do it again next week. <laughs> because we're not making no indentation into the uh... fact that, you see, so you're just feeling like, oh God, it's running away from us. It's just treading water. Exactly. It's like when, the, it's like me playing golf and like somebody's, somebody's like, they're, they're two up or they're three up with like f four holes to go. All they need to do is literally match you. So you mm -hmm. have to be perfect. Like making pass To even stay in the game. Yeah, just to stay in the game. And I think that that kind of pressure on you is, um, is something that, especially in golf, I always crack. <laughs> I hate the fact that I crack. Because for some reason golf people- Golf is such a difficult sport. No, but the though, thing with his flow is that people seem to think, oh, because you played in front of thousands that you can just, you, you can sink a four foot putt, which and is so easy. That's meaningless in golf, honestly. Yeah, right? And so at the end of the day, I crack under the pressure of golf and mm -hmm. people say, wow, I can't believe you missed that. You played in front of thousands and thousands. And you say, yeah, it's a different kind of pressure. But really inside you say, why don't you go fuck yourself? <laughs> <laughs> right. Speaking of golf, yeah. I do want to talk about my favourite goal of the weekend. Go on. James Ward-Prowse's free <coughs> kick oh my against God, Wolverhampton. Wanderers. So, you know, Southampton didn't wow. play the best, but Ward-Prowse free kick steps up. Bends it in from a, you shouldn't be shooting from there. You I remember what? talking to 
yeah, other Southampton legend about Ward Prowse's free kick technique and he said it's just like a golf swing it's just so consistent mm. in how he always steps up goes over the ball and he always collapses over himself when he finishes yes so the way his body looks just after he strikes the ball he sort of bends over himself yeah. and, and he says he keeps a consistent process doing free kicks that's like a really consistent golf swing I'm saying this I'm also like constantly like buckling my stomach for some reason I'm trying you know, to do the free kick technique myself yeah but the I thing was is like, mate that's a it's great it's a kind of concertina kick. isn't it yeah like a sort yeah of- but like they, you know when when he um because it was so far out I think the commentator even said um this is he's a bit ambitious from some he said <laughs> something to the point of um, well he's not going to surely try and shoot from here but like, and the reason why I thought, okay, I could see what he's saying there because while I was watching it, I think he had three, three, three steps to run up into mm-hmm. a shot that looked like about 30 odd yards. And I'm thinking to myself, is he, is he going to shoot from here? But like you say, with the, the way the technique, the way he hit it and the way the ball, when it was in the air, then it started to veer off to the mm-hmm. right. Like people saying where he's put the valve in the ball, you know, was he hit the valve and, you know, whatever it was. But the way he hit it off of three steps, was it was so the tech, the technical ability was so of high standard. Mm-hmm. You think to yourself, Jesus Christ, James, you didn't even need a, a long run up for that. And it was one of those kind of free kicks where he just thought to himself, just to everybody, I'm just hitting this. Move, move, <laughs> no, move out of the way. I'm just going to shoot. He didn't celebrate. It was pr- proper angry goal. Like, I'm so tired of having to keep doing this. <laughs> it had that kind of energy, energy about it. But like, I've seen, I've seen people like, Beckham, mm-hmm. right? When after England training, I see Dennis after training, um, just constantly working on, not even looking at where the ball's going, but the, the, the focusing on where the ball's um, pointing and where they're actually going to hit the ball. And you mentioned golf shot and you're absolutely right to mention golf because you don't move your head. You, you look at the ball all the way with a golf shot. And even when you've done the swing, your head is still meant to be where the ball was just was just landed or where the ball was just planted. And so it almost feels like that's what I look back at them doing. Mm-hmm. They're actually not bothered about where it goes because that's what people say. If you catch it right, you don't need to worry about where it goes. And that's how it looked for me with, with like James, with James Ward-Prowse's free kick. He knew, must have knew with just the three steps. When I hit this, if I catch this right, he's not saving it. You know, he's not saving it. It's like, I'll tell you, there was one I saw Dimitri Payet, I think he's, you might have seen it, he scored oh, it. Against yeah. Palace. Against Palace. Oh, it's so and good. It's the noise though, it's the noise. It's a, Honestly. It's like the dink on the, yeah. on yeah. the crossbar. Yeah, it's but unreal. I think he put it, did he put it goalkeeper side? He put it far post. So the yeah. thing, you know, most, most free kicks top, now top you want right to- Top right-hand corner. It was top right-hand corner, wasn't it? Unreal. It was, and the, the thing about it is, is that I remember doing the um, commentary and I said, if the ball was square, it couldn't have gone any further into that stanchion, into that corner. If the ball was square, it could not have fit even in there any better. He literally hit it perfectly. Unbelievably, he hit it perfectly. I remember, I remember Cantona at Man United. Remember that, remember that, that, that season when Cantona was going through that season where they were winning 1-0 and he was scoring the goals? Yep. And I remember um, he had a free kick. And I think I was at fault. More, the more I see it, every time I see it, I hope people don't watch it, to be honest, because like, you can see I kind of move out of the way and I'm constantly giving people stick for, just take it, take it in the face. And um, he hit, I thought, he's not beating Dave Seaman from there. You know, and the wall was there and I think, and he hit one. And I don't know if you've ever heard a golf ball fizz past you. Have you, have, you know, when mm-hmm. you hear it, it goes, the ball fizz past me. And, you know, and then the next thing, you just, you just heard the crowd. I was like, oh my God, what a strike. What an unbelievable strike, you know. But like going back to Beckham, I remember after training, he would take 25 free kicks. You look at James Ward-Prowse and you could see after training, he's probably, he's probably taking free kick after free kick. The interesting thing actually now is he's taking less after training. So last season he said he, after training he'd take 25, 30, but now he's only taking six. He says he really wants to shorten it down because he said, you know, in most games, he's only going to get, he's like most during a game, he's only really going to get two or three free kicks. So now his whole thing is to make sure he's, you get six and then Mm. just go for it. There's a story about um, when Bielsa was at Marseille Mm. and he said, when you do shooting practice, he only gives you one ball each because that way you stop 
taking silly shots from 35 yards out, 40 yeah. yards out. Mm-hmm. Because you said during a game, you're not going to shoot from there. So you get mm. one ball. And mm. if I give you one, you treat it with care. Uh, which I thought was just a sort of really cool thing. So you've seen Cantona free kicks. Mm. You've seen Beckham free kick. Mm-hmm. You've seen Dennis Burkamp free kick. Mm. Anyone else? Matt Letizier. Matt that one was, where he flicked it up. Yeah, yeah but that, that was like that, well, that one was silly. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, that was one. That's against Wimbledon, I, I think, wasn't it? I remember, yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember seeing that when I was younger with Coventry. Willie Carr, a guy, I think Willie Carr flicked it up, but he done it. His legs flicked it up, and the other guy volleyed it in. But Matt Letizia, I, I saw him score one at Liddell against Villa as well, where I think Nigel Spink was in goal, where he bent it round the wall. He was, he was another person that when the free when he lined a free kick up. You were really worried. You're really worried that um, oh god, he's going to at least get it on target. You know, he was he was brilliant. Zola, Zola was going. You know, when he lines it up, you're thinking, God, you know what I mean? Because he's he's an, he got twelve, I think. It's same as Thierry. You know, Thierry got twelve because Beckham's the most. Beckham's got eighteen. Mm-hmm. Then Thierry's got twelve. Zola's got twelve. I think. Um, it's funny Will as well because there's 12. there's like a, there's a there's a a style and a group of players as well who just went there were kind of like the hit as hard as you possibly can strategy like John Arise <laughs> yeah. just absolutely <laughs> smash it <laughs> at the goal and six out of ten chance it might go in and then whereas others are bending they're trying to curve it they're going for accuracy mm. they're going for placement. John Anariso was just like, I'm absolutely I'm fucking this. smashing this. Anyone in the way will die if they're in the way and it's going in the goal. Solano. Solano got nine for Newcastle. Oh, Shearer yeah. talks very highly of Nobby Solano and how good he was set piece and free kick. Lauren Robert you, as well for Newcastle. He Rob, was Robert, good on yeah, a free kick. Yeah, yeah, Lauren Robert. Yeah, he weren't bad. But I, I just th- feel, is there a chance that um, James Ward-Prowse could, is, is, is going to leave there, Carl? What I get the vibe that they, I, he's got more to, there's more to come from him. And I love he, him. Even with the goal, what he scored, it looked like a goal where he says, I'm just so tired of having to do this all the time. They love him. He looks like he's got, he looks like he's got the makings of a, of a one club man. I think, was wow. it, you know I mean? Do you think? Wow. He's already, what he's, he's either qualified for his testimonial or he's approaching his testimonial pretty soon, which is that ridiculous thing of how long he's been at Southampton for. I think, you know, he got given the captaincy just for the project restart part of the season. If they build around him, which they absolutely want to, with that new ownership, there's no reason why he could possibly leave, unless, you know, unless it gets into a situation where he thinks if he wants to maximise his England chances, he probably has to go let this way or that way. But Southgate seems to like him as well. So He should like, I love him. I think that he has definitely got, he, a, a Premier League winner's medal would not, go and miss around him. Like he's somebody that looks like he's got the energy to carry that easily. And I think that he's somebody that you could see in a title run come to the fore. I don't think that James Ward-Prowse is, is, um, is somebody that is, is, is um, absolutely like happy with his lot right now. Of course he's happy playing the Premier League. You know what I mean? If they start struggling and going towards relegation and stuff like that, at some stage, for him, who should be amongst England, and if he was at a different club, I'm telling you, he's in that Euro squad. Absolutely <laughs> no danger. Right? Yeah, Carl, do you not think he can be lured away by prospects of playing in Champions League, a Premier League, like a, t- a title-winning side? He's in, if you see, said, you know, he's committed to Southampton. We know he loves Southampton. It's that weird thing of, he's actually from Portsmouth. Right, um, right. <laughs> I, he's, he's absolutely adored down on the south coast and I think maybe if he was to think about leaving it would probably be something around about uh, you know, better your England chances or, or we want you to be the the second option on, on, on a top six club but I think I think he's great I think sometimes I look at James Ward-Prowse and go you are David Beckham part two mm. or, and, but there are some times where I look at James Ward-Prowse and I go you remind me a lot of Gareth Barry when he was at Aston Villa and how he was just constantly ticking over and nearly, he never missed the game. Was always mm, He's reliable. a workhorse, isn't he? Ridiculous fitness and stamina. Huge, hugely. And he's really- I see more. see more with James Ward-Prowse, to be honest, Carl. You know what? I could, you could almost see James Ward-Prowse if Milner wasn't in and around a Liverpool, he could easily slip into Ooh. Liverpool and in that kind of vibe. You know what I mean? I think he's got more. Well, I suppose Gareth Bale didn't 
stick around True. Exactly. a massively yeah. long time before he kind of saw the bright lights of... I think I think it's, it's an exciting time to be a Southampton fan. That new ownership have said some interesting things, I think, uh, and they've got a good manager in Ralph Arsenal. So, uh, I, well, I know we always, everything we say is always in that weird, there's a World Cup this year. So, mm. uh... That's, that's I keep forgetting see. that. I keep forgetting there's a World Cup at the end of the year. Every, I'm just like, like, sort of like every every six hours, I'm going. There's a World Cup this year, and there's another Afcon the mm-hmm. year afterwards. It's like, mm-hmm. Okay, the, the football keeps going. There is too much football. <laughs> Jedi are being murdered. On June 4th, Star Wars returns only on Disney Plus. I didn't do it. Believe me. She was my student. Let me be the one to bring her in. Now she is a student of the dark side. An acolyte. Star Wars The Acolyte. Two episode premiere June 4th, only on Disney+. Plus. I saw some karma the other day, guys, with um, <laughs> Emmy Martinez and Bruno Fernandez. With Bruno Fernandez's weak shot and going through Emmy Martinez's legs. I cannot understand. Like, I'm watching it, think to myself, surely at some stage, Bruno Fernandez is going to go over and say something to him. <laughs> He's going to just whisper something to him. Because can you imagine now, like, me and Rai was talking about it. Can you imagine now if Emmy Martinez, if I'm going to take a penalty and Emmy Martinez even pipes up, I'm going to say, yo, 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 get back on your line, bro, <laughs> and close your legs as well. <laughs> You know, talking about, um, talking about goalkeepers, talking about goalkeepers. And this is quite nice because we could segue straight into um, AFCON. My God, Mendy getting the um, best goalkeeper in the world. And I was trying to explain to people about the AFCON and what it means to the players. But did you see the celebrations when the guys saw, when, he was, when they were clapping him and everything in the, his camp? You know, f- what it means to those players, his country, um, for him to get the the best goalkeeper in the world. I'm not sure people understand what that means to an African player. Mendy's been so good at this mm. that when you mentioning, I don't know what it means to be an African, it, like, it reminded me, like, I had to remember the years mm. and years and years worth of prejudice towards black goalkeepers. Yes. So I've been there. Like, Mendy's been so good and such an improvement to that Chelsea backline that it becomes that weird case where now when you say, oh, well, you know, for years there was prejudice against black goalkeepers. For years people said black goalkeepers couldn't play. Now people, well, that's not true. Mendy's mm. there. Like, you, like, no, before Mendy, before Onana at, at Ajax, there mm-hmm. was such a deep prejudice that black football players didn't have the concentration levels or we weren't yeah. tall enough or we were too yeah. quiet or we were too selfish mm. to be goalkeepers. Mm. But Mendy's talent is so total and assured and, and I'm scared to, to come across as he's, you know, go a bit good immigrant here, but mm. I'm just so proud of him. Yeah. Uh, and I so desperately wish he was on my football team. It's, it's also <laughs> mad as well. I think about that kind of alternate universe of him coming into Chelsea and that it was almost like a panic buy because yes. Cape Irubizalaga mm. was, was struggling. Ch- Chelsea mm. had paid huge amounts of money for him mm. and they were willing to throw another load of money at another goalkeeper. Uh, yeah. In reality, they could have just seen it out and said, well, we spent money on this guy. We've got to, we're we're going to have to sit with him. But it's actually mad to think that, you know, on the Lampard, he was brought in. And since then has, like you said, Carl, completely transformed that defence. And not many people kind of saw that transfer coming until actually like it was about to happen. Yeah, And it was like, oh, they're getting this guy. And I think, you know, I I hadn't necessarily heard of him because, I hadn't watched a lot of him before. Mm. And then as soon as he came in, there was just such an instant impact. And you were like, mm. oh, actually it was worth chucking all this money because yeah. a goal, having a good goalkeeper can completely transform your yeah. team. It was Petr Cech, wasn't it? Petr Cech was the one who said, you've got to get him. And when you hear, it's his story. And this, let me go through his story. Like 2015, right? So what, five years ago, he's training with, um, with League One clubs. Couldn't get mm-hmm. a club. Nobody wanted him in England or France. Um, he got released by Cherbourg um, in the third division of France. Uh, then um, he got released by Le Havre. The, he went to um, like the academy um, playing in the sixth tier. Then he, he was looking for jobs in Le Havre. 
job centers in La Havre. He's looking for jobs. Marseille reserve team. He went to them in the fifth um, fifth division. Then he was st- signed um, by um, Reims, Stade de Reims, mm-hmm. League Two as a number two. Then he became their number one. Then they got promotion to League One in t- um, 2018. Then he went to Rennes 2019. It's not even a long time ago. No, no, you know, it's not even is... a long time ago. For, like for four million, plays Europa League, finishes third. Chelsea signing for 24 million, wins the Champions League in 2020, <laughs> 2021, best goalkeeper in the world. It's, honestly, to people who believe that God's not sleeping, bro, he's great. You look at where he was, what, six years ago? Yep. And where he is now and what's happened, the inspiration that that will give to not only goalkeepers in Africa, but just goalkeepers in general everywhere. But in, in the main, to young black goalkeepers, it will inspire them like you cannot believe. That's just like six years, literally six, 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 just over six years. And he's now the best goalkeeper in the world. He has to get flowers. Flowers. I haven't got a big enough bunch of flowers for him, I don't think, for what he's done. I'd love to, at some stage, listen to him tell that story because as you just go through it there, can you imagine? Can you imagine the hardship for him? I think that's probably what's probably the most reassuring things in that position is because we know goalkeepers play till, you know, sometimes 40. Yeah. Is that you can probably always think, my time might come. You know, he's 29 now and is mm. absolutely, you know, close to peaking, winning mm. all these awards. And if you were playing in any other position, you would have given up. You would have given up by that point. But you I suppose have, the reassuring yeah. nature of being a goalkeeper is your time can come at any point. Like you're, you, you, you could be called upon in any capacity and then go on to win titles at 35. Like there's wow. always time as a goalkeeper. That's kind of amazing. Mm. I think it is. Goalkeeper is such it a is. weird thing because it's such a solo job in yeah. terms of training, in terms yeah. of, of finesse, in terms of competition um, and whatnot. But you're so integral to the team. And mm. the thing about Mendy is he just exudes calm, right? Yeah. You would not even think he had been through that come up, that, that struggle. I don't, you know, he doesn't look like someone who has had to worry despite the many, many worries he had in his life. And he just stepped yeah. into that Chelsea team and went, okay, boys, I'm, here. I'm going to run this area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get on with your jobs. And if you don't get on with your jobs, I'm going to yell at you. Um, and there's that great, really, you know, that great yeah. penalty, uh, the Aguero uh, Panenka penalty where he just yeah. sort of didn't move. You know, the, the yeah. trick to the Panenka is just don't move. And he just looks so like, and I've got it. <laughs> it's slow motion catch like a two year old catching a ball for the first time just a- <laughs> you know what was really interesting going back to what what Flo said about not knowing enough about him because when you look at that when you go from 2015 to now so it would take somebody with the expertise of um, uh, a Petr Cech to obviously know what's going on in the goalkeeping world for them to say yeah do it man I don't mind we'll, we'll have a 71 million pound goalkeeper as backup <laughs> To this goalkeeper that is, like I have to say, brilliant. But then I was very nervous for him as a black goalkeeper. And I'm not even just ju- I'm in this time, hoping that he does well. But now I'm delighted that he's, he's been voted the best goalkeeper in the world. It's an unbelievable story. And I want to hear him tell it at some stage. Love to hear him tell that story. He doesn't do a lot of interviews, actually. Come I've, never think heard, of it. I've never yeah. heard him. I've never heard him flow. Get this, like secure the exclusive, Carl. We're relying on you. Yeah, Carl, you exclusive. got to do it. We'll invite him to the house. Yes. <laughs> yes. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. 
To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Guys, we have to talk HAFCON. Um, yes. I'm, I'm getting very, very excited about it. Obviously, um, there's a lot of people that still want to harp on the negative when there's so much fantastic stuff going on. But that is something that is just part of the course. You know, that's going to happen. But I've got to say, some of the um, some of the football, what I've seen has been a magnificent. I, I, I really did quite enjoy um, the Ivory Coast game the other day. You know, oh, especially, yeah. honestly. <laughs> And the, and the thing is, people, I, I don't think people took into consideration that the pitch and our bobbling. That, that, and that pitch particularly, honestly, that, the rest of the pitches are okay. That one mm, is crazy. That, that like, was crazy. You, you barely touch with your foot and a chunk comes mm, out. Would come out. I felt sorry for the keeper. I really felt sorry for him because he was completely, his body completely moved when his knee yes, hit that grass. Hit the ground. There was nothing yeah. he could do. He just bounced out. It was yeah. like a bunker in a, in, in, on like, in a golf like, and you know the thing with it as well, Flo, you know, the, yeah, you know the thing with it is Flo, it was like um, the, the amount of negativity that came off of him making that mistake. Yeah. Was, it was, again, I think to myself, okay, so they're going to harp on that. They're not harping on the, some of the, the unbelievable football that you can watch in that game, the movement, the skill, the touch and everything. They're going to harp on that and act like, oh yeah, like, yeah, it's symptomatic. I heard Musa and the guys say in Stadio, they spoke about it. And we all know deep down what's going on there, their, their narrative. But the fact is, is that it's so cruel because if we're going to talk about incidents, then we could talk about Jordan Pickford's ridiculous trying to knock it over the bar and banging it, knocking it onto, onto Divock Origi's head and scoring. We yep. see goalkeepers make mistakes. Why do people have to harp on so much? Because there's so much good stuff going on. The defensive, the defence... The defensive work in the AFCON at the moment is something to be admired. They do not respect any names. No, anyone can get it. Anyone it, can get it. Anyone can get it. I love that about it. It's so good. It's, they've, got uh, to, they've got to give it more love. You'll see, it's a weird thing where everyone's going, oh, why was the first round of AFCON so boring? Only 1-0 wins. Like, mm. Are you seeing the defensive organisation? Yes. Right? Did you see how good and how much effort yeah. Sierra Leone put up against Algeria in that nil-nil. Like, oh that was, God, unreal. That was epic, epic. That, you know, you get, sometimes you get nil-nils when no one is trying. Sometimes you get mm. nil-nils because one goalkeeper just decides to play out of their skin. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Sierra Leone have two, two draws. They've, they've drawn nil-nil against Algeria, who are the current holders of Alcon, and they've just drawn 2-2 against Ivory Coast, thanks to, mm. yeah, okay, admittedly, a, a strange defensive error. But now, mm. Sierra Leone, because anyone can get it, have now created this situation where probably Algeria is going to go home. Wow. Like, this is it, right? Between Algeria's draw and their defeat to Equatorial Guinea. Again, which is just... Uh-huh. Ridiculous. Come Ridiculous, on, right? Ria Mares, anonymous. Never heard of the guy. Who is he? I do not know her. I do not know her. Literally. <laughs> never seeing, heard of him. That Algeria game, you were seeing players who, you know, had played for Man City, people would play for Leicester City, people mm. who played in Champions League finals and, and Europa League, uh, you know, deep runs in Europa League, just getting outdone by, by people from clubs from Equatorial Guinea, who, you know, their biggest club they've got to is did, maybe Kaiser Chiefs in South Africa. QPR's, QPR's back up right back, Osman Kakai starting for Sierra Leone. A humbling, mm. a humbling yeah. of Algeria. This is it. But did, did you see the great equaliser of football? Yes. <laughs> but did you see, but, but what people, you've got to understand is like the, the, um, the, the celebration when he scored against Alibri, when he, you could see there was a moment where he kind of put his hat his head in his hands because mm-hmm. he couldn't believe the equatorial gr- equator yeah. guinea yeah he yeah, like he, was, he put his hands it, over his face honestly, and was like he, he was going to burst into tears he's obviously no. going to the, the emotion was just like overcome I just when I was watching I was like please hang on please mm-hmm. hang on because like the, def- the the goalkeeper the defenders everything um, the fact that the, you know Mar- Maris couldn't do any more 
He couldn't do any more. It was just like people were, you know, when people, like I was talking about an Everton, Everton against Norwich. If the, if the Everton players, um, or let's, you know what, Brentford against Liverpool. If the Brentford players had the same attitude as what these guys, Equatorial Guineas of this world, um, defending against like Algeria, a, a far superior team. If they had the same energy, they don't lose the game. You, you just do not lose the game because no, no inch was given. Nothing, not a quarter was not given. They done everything they could to make sure that they did not lose the game. And then, okay, if Maris came up with something brilliant or they came, then fine. But they could not physically do any more. You know what? I always hear a manager say, uh, Mark Warburton says this all the time after QPR games, oh, we showed the opposition too much respect. And I always think that's Mm. such a cringe managerial cliche, but Mm. actually AFCON has shown that there is such a a thing as showing too much respect (laughs) and Mm. none of the teams in that competition have done that. And and actually (laughs) managers are right when they say that their teams do that to, to, to teams. It's just... No, no respect. You you are equals, regardless of what teams you play for, what you've won, whatever. And that can take you far. Can I, can I talk about, can we just talk a bit about Nigeria? And I kind of like the vibe of Nigeria, <laughs> the manager. Augustine Agavari. So he's, he's, just, he's just the interim, he's just, which is the yeah. strange thing. Right? He's the technical director who's, who's exactly in charge for this AFCON and then their new... And he only got the job, what, like a month ago? Yeah, like, because very recently. Yeah, Royal got replaced four weeks before the tournament. Yeah. But you know what I'm pleased about? Because they always seem to get this kind of, that, that old, that old European manager at, for African nations. They always get that guy where he's obviously, he's used up all these all these vouchers yeah, and these vouchers (laughs) and credits in Europe and that. And then they go there and then they play this turgid kind of like defensively, not even great defensive, but just like not the kind of football that is in keeping with an African player. You're describing Ghana right now. You're describing Ghana. This is is, is the problem with Ghana's national team, right? (laughs) The blueprint. Because you look at Nigeria and like before they would score that goal, what they scored, and then they would be sitting back or being... Yep. Do you know what I mean? Defensive. They're just going for it. This guy's just, they're playing. And what they seem to miss for me, some of these guys, is the natural effervescence and personality of African football and how it has to be expressive and offensive and entertaining and everything that goes with it. So this manager now, the Nigerian man, has come in and he's, it's almost as like they, they've been, it's a breath of fresh air and they've been let off the leash. Just go and do your stuff, guys. Go and do your stuff. Yeah, which you can, and this is really painful for me to say as a Ghanaian. Um, if you consider how much disruption the Nigerian squad has had, right, mm. when it looked as if they were going to have Oshiman from Napoli, uh, okay, uh, Igalo was supposed to come back uh, as well, uh, Emmanuel Denis from Watford as well. Actually, mm. they lost at least three strikers due yeah. to COVID, AFCON, and, and paperwork. Uh, and then it was very easy for Nigeria to go up in their first game against Egypt mm. and just basically go, you know what? We're just going to play for a draw because Egypt have Salah. But I went, no, you know what? Kelechi, do you fancy this? Mm. Senior man fancies this. And mm-hmm. here we go. They're off to the races. They are now probably the favourite considering the underperform- relative underperformance of of Egypt and, and the drug to it. Yeah. To a Algeria. Algeria. And Ghana. So, mm. Yes. <laughs> um, so I say, you know, right now it's the tournament between you know, Senegal have looked good, Cameroon have looked good, Nigeria have looked good as well. I like Ivory Coast. I like Ivory Coast. Hilarious still. I think, I think Hilarious it's, still there. It, it's, it's, it's what you say though, Ian. Like, I think we know that European style of play has influenced and infiltrated the whole of world football. Like, you yeah. know, across the football league in England, people want to play out from the back regardless mm. of ability or quality. But mm. sometimes actually just... playing positively and playing forward and being Mm. aggressive on the ball. And if you watch any of Nigeria's games so far in this competition, as soon as they get on the ball, they look up and they drive forward. They drive drive at defenders and they try and be positive in the way they play. And actually... That's if, that, if that's the quality of player you've got and, and they're good on the ball I mean yeah, yeah sometimes the, the final ball into the box hasn't been brilliant for Nigeria mm-hmm. but like, why not do that and I feel do like that. there is Play an obsession there is yeah. an obsession at the moment in the whole of world football of patience and build up play and actually mm-hmm. sometimes 
bucket, throw out the window, yeah. just absolutely go for it. You're in, a, you're in a knockout competition. There isn't, you know, this isn't a whole entire league that you've got, you know, 30 games to play yeah. and then see who's who's left standing by the end of it. Like there's not time. Just I, fucking I just go for them, it. Exactly. I just want them to start doing that. Feed into the natural psyche of, 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 the Af- of African players and play to their strengths. Because yes, you could teach people how to defend and defend as a team and all that stuff. But what about the natural effervescence of it? Just go for, go and play. And this is why I think that hopefully off of the back of this manager coming in and giving them the freedom to do that, they'll maybe look at a different way of coaching their teams. So as you can play with your natural flair, sometimes you need to trust what you've got in, or what you've already got. And I'm hoping that that will happen a lot more with the African teams rather than them going to get that, 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 that European, old European manager that we, you don't really, nobody knows too much about until you see him pop up in an African country. And now I'm going to disappoint you as we say this, because mm. we do know who the next coach will be. And it is the form of Porto and sporting uh, boss, Jose Pizzero. So okay. uh, in terms of age, he, he's 61 and, and mm. just came over from Venezuela. But he mm. does seem like a very good hire. He's been watching Nigeria's games throughout AFCON, uh, which... This makes me happy and sad, but this is a really good Nigerian generation. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right. This is this is this is a deep squad. They've got some very good players already. Mm. They can they can bring in some more players. This is the most um dual nationality players in the Nigerian mm. squad. So there there are six players in this squad who were either born overseas or spent at least 10 years of their life growing up overseas. Mm. So, uh, and this is, you know, again, sort of the thing that you're seeing, it's the impact of the work the Algerian Football Federation did and, and the uh, Moroccan Football Federation did in terms of FIFA rules in basically saying, you know what, there are loads of good players in the France, English, Dutch under 21 teams that probably aren't going to make their senior national team. They should come back home and play back yeah. home. And I know Myra is always in our group chat and he's always tweeting about no one loves you like back home. Mm. Um, so, uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi, I'm here for mm. you, man. Well, the scars, the scars of Danny Welbeck, the scars of Danny Welbeck run deep, Carl. That's yeah. Danny, so I always remember the, um, the England versus Ghana friendly of, it must have been 2011, maybe 2012. Uh, and it was at Wembley Stadium. Danny mm. Welbeck came off the bench oh my to God. play for England, and he was roundly booed by the yeah. Ghana fans because because it was so painful. We wanted him. So quickly before we go, we're going to do some um, WSL transfers. Um, Flo, what's been happening? I, I like that name. He, just the name. Like, Blackstenius. Um, yeah, Blackstenius. It sounds it's, it's like a Game of Thrones, something isn't from it? Gladiator. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> sounds name. Sounds amazing. It's a really good name. It's a good signing. I, was, I would say for Arsenal fans, it might be a little bit concerning because the signing would, prob- would hint to me anyway that Miedemar may not be signing a new contract and may mm-hmm. be leaving at the end of the summer, which is ridiculous for the player she is to have her leaving on a free. Yes, in women's football, the transfer fees are not the same. Like a hundred mm, grand mm-hmm. is huge. A hundred grand massive. transfer fee is massive. But to mm. let a player of Vivian Miedemar's quality, she's still pretty young. Like she's got over a hundred goals for Arsenal. To let her leave on a free is utterly insane. Players in women's football don't sign massively long contracts. Leah Williamson has just signed a new contract for Arsenal, which is massive. But lo- the past week, there's been some new trend where clubs haven't been releasing the length of contracts. Don't ask me why. It's really fucking mm. annoying. But both Leah Williamson and Steph Horton signed new deals at City and Arsenal. And both clubs didn't say how long they were. They why? just said- how can they say- I don't know. I don't know. But they both said, you know, they're committing to the long-term future of the club. It could be a year, could be three years. I think it's maybe two for both of them. But um, so the Williamson news is massive for Arsenal fans. Blackstenius news is exciting for Arsenal fans. I think she's still got to sort out her work permit, but I I think she'll get it fine. Um, But yeah, Miedemar, real question mark about her future um, because she has not signed a thing yet. Mm. What, Laura Weiss, is it Weinrotha? 
She's come from um, Austrian defenders from Hoffenheim. She's come from, she's come centre half. Yeah, that's a real that's, hipster's that choice. One? That's a real hipster's choice. She did score an own goal uh, for, against Arsenal when they lost to Hoffenheim in December. Mm. But I think she's good. I think she's got potential. She's still pretty young. Um, but West Ham have signed a, a midfielder who has been tipped as the new um, Pernilla Harder, Emma Schnurler, a uh, Danish Schnurler. midfielder. She's only 20 years old and on and the Sky coverage on uh, Sunday, they were really talking her up and saying that she has all the makings of being the next Panilla Harder. So I think she's one mm. to watch and West Ham have managed to bag her. Um, so yeah, there's some, they, I think Blackstenius is probably like the Hollywood signing of the window so far. Mm. Um, Anna Patton leaving us to, on loan. Anna Patton Anna going Patton. on loan. Yeah. The, the, Aston Villa. And I think it's good for her to get some first team opportunities because she hasn't really played as much as she probably would have liked. Um, but I don't think it's going to be like a, a massive window in terms of signings, but that's, you know, that Blackstenius one is certainly Can, interesting. I, I watched the, the awards, right? Patelis, obviously, she won the World Player of the Year, the Women's World Player of the Year and everything. And there was no Barcelona women in the team of the year. What the fuck happened there? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get that. I, I don't understand how it works. And also in the team of the year, which over 3,000 women's players vote for, which I think just, mm. sh- just shows how bad the exposure it's, is for women's football, even for the what, people that play it. Um, Ridiculous. Carly Lloyd who barely played much domestic football last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's been put in midfield. She's not a midfielder and she's been put that in the ridiculous. best of them in midfield. Alex Morgan, who barely played any football last year as well. She's in there. Um, oh a few gosh. other players who played a handful of games. Lucy Bronze was injured for a lot of, of the mm. season. I think what those teams show is that basically the biggest names or the or the the ones who kind of have the most exposure are going to get picked not necessarily the best players uh mm-hmm. and english players american players names that people recognize are going to get put in that list not necessarily ones who put in good performances just because oh that's, so that's the state I do of the game a couple of years ago megan rapino essentially said i hadn't yeah when she football. won when she won yeah. the, the, the like, ballon d'or she was like, she was like guys why are you giving this to me <laughs> yeah. oh my god please, it's, even, it's embarrassing it for them it it's is, embarrassing it for is. them them. And and you, you know, know last w- night players mm. last night loads of players and former players were tweeting me like this is embarrassing for our sport. It is. <laughs> like, why it are we is. Do- why are we doing this to ourselves? <laughs> it's, it's just you know I don't know who the powers that be are, but all they're doing is giving people the opportunity to to look at what the women's game and say oh, it's, it's it's a joke. You know they're, they're having a laugh. How can that be? I watched Barcelona against Arsenal the other day. And it's by far the, the best women's football team I have ever seen, ever seen. They were unbelievable. At least six or seven of them should have been in it because nine of them are in the Spanish team, the first team. Yep. <laughs> How the hell can that happen? And this is the things that, these, that the authorities have to look at who are running the game, that the embarrassment that this causes, this embarrassment it causes and the negativity that then goes onto the, onto the women's game. I want the powers that be to start treating the women's game with the kind of respect in, in that, not only in respects of that kind of decision for the, the women's world player of the year and stuff at this time with everything that's so positive about the game. And when you're watching it, it's getting better. It's getting better. And then in one foul sweep, they do something like this. I'm disappointed. So am I. I'm, you know what? I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, guys, we'll do more um, WSL stuff and stuff on the AFCON on Righty's House. So, so stay tuned for that. Um, and other than that, you know, it's uh, it's been beautiful, guys. So I'll speak to you soon. I already miss you. I miss you already. I miss you, guys. Oh, I really love you guys. And um, we'll speak again, June. We're speaking to, we're speaking to group and then I'll see you soon. See you soon, love guys. That. Take it easy, guys. I love you. Okay, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you very much to Carl Anker. Thank you very much, Flo Lloyd Hughes. And we'll see you again next week. And whatever you're doing, be safe when you're doing it. And have fun when you're doing it. Take it easy, man. Hold up. 